Well, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Good, okay. Uh, my name's Lacey Wagler, and I am part of the team here. And really excited to wrap up this Revelation series that we've been in. Just kidding, no dragons in this sermon, I promise. Um, no, like Josh mentioned, we are starting a new sermon series uh, this week called At the Table. And so for the next three weeks, we're gonna be taking you through some of the things that are really foundational to our culture here at Hill City. And culture is really important, whether you know it or if you don't know it in your head, then you have experienced it. Um, because culture is not something that we like say we believe or think or say a way that we act um, as a person or as like a community. It is like the lived experience. It's what is like, actually real in a place and in a grouping of people. And so um, the culture that people experience here matters a lot. And so the next few uh, weeks, we're gonna be talking about a culture of invitation, of hospitality, of belonging, because this is something that has to be like core to who we are as a church and as a community. And so today we're gonna to talk about the culture of, of um, invitation and what it looks like to be an invitational person and an invitational community. And when I think about this, I'm reminded of the season of our church when we were just starting. We were just a little baby church and we were a church plant, so starting kind of like poof out of nowhere. And we had this team of about 20 or so people where we would meet together regularly. We would pray, we would dream about what could be. And um, we would do a lot of construction because this place needed a lot of work. Um, but then once things started, once we had our first Sunday, what was really cool and special about the culture of our church during that time is that we were inviting people like crazy, because that's the point of a church plant, right? Is to invite people in. And so I felt like every conversation we were having, whether in church or outside of church, hanging out with each other as friends, it was, oh my gosh, I had this really cool conversation with my coworker and they were asking questions and I was telling them about this church that we were starting and they're gonna come. And like, we would all be like freaking out and like cheering each other on and somebody be like, play it cool, my friend's here today. And um so there was just constantly this excitement around who was coming, what was God doing, who do we have the opportunity to invite, and there was like an urgency to it all. Now, I still believe that that is a part of our culture and that it's a really beautiful part of our church. But as churches age and just get older, the natural inclination is to, come, is to become more inward focused, right? Because we have a room full of people. And so who would need more? You know, there's like this like, all right, what, are, what do we need to do for like our community and our experience here? But to have a culture of invitation, that keeps us outwardly focused. And that needs to be a huge part of who we are. And so that's why we're bringing this up. Not that it's something that we're failing at, but it's something that we need to like double down on and be like, no, let's, let's bring that, let's keep and bring that excitement and urgency to everything that we do here. You see, a culture of invitation has to be important to us as followers of Jesus and as a community that's trying to follow him um, because it was really important to Jesus, right? So in Luke uh, 19, Jesus says, he says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Like that's why he came. 
And so that is really important to us. So we're going to look at a couple of, um, quickly, a couple of the invitations that Jesus himself made to some of his disciples. So in Matthew 4, it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So we have um, Matthew describing his, like when Jesus called him. In Matthew 9, he says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told them. And Matthew got up and followed him. And then we have another one. So um, this is when Jesus meets Zacchaeus. Says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. So what do we notice about Jesus's invitations to people? He saw them. Jesus had a way of seeing people. And so if we want to see people like Jesus saw people, then there are a couple things that I think we can draw from this. And um, the first is prayer. Prayer has got to be the foundation of where all of this stems from. So this is our starting point. If you're like, I don't know how to be an invitational person. I'm not the instigator that like invites people over or does things like that. Then your starting point is just prayer. That's it. That's the first thing. Because what, one of the things that prayer does, prayer does a lot of things, but is um, it creates an awareness in us about what God is doing around us. Because the kingdom of God is moving everywhere, right? In the Revelation series, like that's one of the things that we learned is that like the kingdom of God is moving. There is stuff going on all around us. And what prayer does is it opens our eyes to those things that are going on. Um, have you guys ever heard of um, this thing called frequency illusion? So you, if you haven't heard of it, you've probably experienced it, but it's when, let's say you like buy a new car and you don't really aren't familiar with the type of car that you got. It's like some brand that you haven't really paid attention to or heard of or whatever. But all of a sudden, once you have that car, then every car you see on the road, it seems like that car is everywhere. And you're like, oh, this is so popular now. But like, it's probably always been that popular. You just were clued in and you became aware. So your brain starts like recognizing it's something that's familiar. And that's on a spiritual level. That is kind of what prayer does is it awakens us to what God is doing so that then we can like be ready and see um, what he has for us in any given situation. It helps us to notice people 
in a different way than maybe we would have before. So whether it's someone in a class or a coworker or a neighbor, when we start with prayer and our eyes are opened to what God is doing, we start to notice people in different ways. We might notice things that they're talking about that are important to them. They might stand out more to us. We might notice when they walk into a space and look like they're just kind of weighed down by something that they're walking through. We're gonna notice the way their voice picks up with things that they're excited about or gets a little bit lower when they're talking about things that might be hard or that they're going through. Um, so it helps us to see people because there's, there's awareness that is awakened in us. Prayer also keeps us humble and reminds us that, like, that God is doing things and we just get to play a part in it. The other thing that we see about Jesus and how he really saw people was his pace, right? Jesus, he was like always moving and going and doing things, but he never seemed like he was in a hurry. And um, that's because he lived at a relational pace. He did not live at an efficient pace. That was not his primary focus because a relational pace is slower, it's a lot slower. Um, it's very intentional, but it's slower. And so when I think about a relational place, uh, pace, I think about two people immediately came to mind. And one is our daughter, Ruby, who is six. And she's probably the most relationally minded person I have ever been in contact with. And one of the most inefficient people I have ever been in contact with. Um, and so one, one little like story that I was like thinking about from last year is she was in preschool and I had her home in the afternoon. And we had a long list of things that we needed to do, you know, like errand running and picking up other kids and stuff like that. Um, but she begged, she was like, can we please just have a popsicle and sit on the front porch? And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna say yes. And so um, we had popsicles and we sat on the front porch. She likes to sit on the front porch because she likes to say hi to people. And a lot of people walk by our house in our neighborhood. And so people are just walking by our house and she's yelling from the front porch, hi! Like yelling, yelling, hi to all of them. And, um, but then the elementary school bus dropped off right by our house and um, there was a mom there with three little kids that was walking by our house and Ruby just started, I mean, yelling hi to them, yelling, what's your name, what's your name? And so instead of continuing to yell at them, they kind of paused and we walked to the street um, to properly introduce ourselves. And um, it was just a really cool moment because Ruby immediately was like, hi, I'm Ruby, what's your name? To the little kids there, but I was able to talk to the mom and they're a family that had just moved to the far end of our street. They had moved from across the country. And um, the mom started crying when I was talking to her because she was so lonely and was so miserable. She didn't wanna move and, um, and was at home with just littles, which is isolating anyway. And, um, and so we were able to connect and I was able to encourage her and we went and got coffee. And it was just this little moment, but I would have rather spent that afternoon previous to that, like running errands and checking things off my list, right? Because that is how I wake up in the morning. I typically wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about, okay, what needs to happen and like shifting around schedules and all the things that need to happen. And so I've been really convicted by this thought of living at a relational pace and with the expectation of like, all right, God, who am I gonna see today? Who am I gonna run into? Who do I need to have an intentional conversation with? How are you gonna use me in people's lives? Um, the other person that um, I thought of was my friend, Ty. And um, he 
also is the most like relationally outward facing person. And he's this artistic um, person that has all of these creative ideas all the time. Also not super efficient, but it's so inspiring how relationally he lives. Like literally while I was writing this sermon, he called because he was like, oh my gosh, I was just at Shake Shack. And then I was talking to the guys that he was at Shake Shack, like dressed in an elf costume before, because of his job. And, um, and people t- were talking to him about it. So he was like, these two guys from Shake Shack, they might come to Hill City on Sunday. I told them they're gonna love it. And, um, and so if you're here from Shake Shack, we are especially glad that you are here. That is amazing. Um, but there is just this excitement that bubbles up in him. I mean, I get texts and selfies all the time from him of like, hey, I ran into these people. I invited them to church. Um, he is just so courageous and always moving towards people. And it's really, really a beautiful thing. The other thing that um, we see with Jesus is his purpose in the way that he saw people. Jesus was arguably the most kingdom-minded person that ever lived. He was so connected to his father all the time. So he could, he could see what was going on around him so clearly. And that allowed him to live at a pace and connect relationally to the people that he was around. But it was because it was his mission, right? And um, for the last, I mean, however many years, it's something that I feel like God is like always trying to work on me with is... Um, So I've been thinking about how I want to be more interruptible, right? Because again, there's like that focus of like, there's all these things that need to get done. Um, And so I've been convicted about, I want to be more interruptible. I want to live at a pace where like interruptions are welcome and there's time to like pause and breathe and really see people and all of that. But then as as I was prepping for this message, a couple weeks ago, I listened to a sermon where I was convicted at a way deeper level Um, It was like a double conviction about my conviction because like this, um, this woman, this pastor in a sermon, she talked about how she said something to the effect of it's not an interruption if it's your primary purpose. And so I was reframing it all wrong. I was putting people in the category of an interruption when really my primary purpose is people, but the other stuff in life should be secondary. So like that reframe in my mind has been really, really eye-opening. And it's been one of those things that just like keeps coming to mind over and over again is that it's not actually an interruption if it's your primary purpose. Um, So what does it look like to be inviting people? What does it look like to be a part of an invitational culture? We're going to look at the story of Philip and Nathaniel, and um, then just going to talk really practically about what this looks like. So um, it says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, so to find something, you go out and you look for it. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida, Philip found, went out and looked for Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, 
Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So what little tips can we take from this that could actually change the way that we invite people and talk about our faith? Um, The first thing is just do it, okay? Philip, this is, there is not, there are not paragraphs and paragraphs about how Philip was wondering, is Nathaniel the person he should talk to about Jesus? Like, would he be offending him if he told him about it? Like, he's not going back and forth. He just did it. Like, Jesus found him. He's like, I gotta go find Nathaniel. Let's go. Um, The second thing is um, to always be prepared. So this is a really important one. And this is, I think, a piece that's really crucial about the story that I talked about with Ty is to always be prepared to share that you go to a church and that it's something that's important to you. I think that's a really easy one. I'm not telling you that you have to go and evangelize in the way that maybe some of you are envisioning evangelism, of you have to tell everyone about the whole gospel all the time and preach and try to convince people. Um, But if you are just prepared to when it's appropriate, weave into a conversation that you go to church and it's something that's important to you, you would be amazed at how conversation then flows from there. So even just in practically getting to know somebody, it's like they might ask you like, okay, what do you do? Or what sport do you play? What are you into? And you might answer them like, I'm a teacher or I play tennis. Um, But you know what? I actually have also, I spend a lot of time involved with my church community and that is something that's like really, really important to who I am. Um, that one piece is really, really important. And then, um, you see, when Nathaniel had questions, what was Philip's response? It was, come and see. It wasn't, well, let me prove to you how he, how he proves all of the Old Testament prophecies and we're seeing all of these come. He's like, come and see, just come. Let me know what you think. Um, and then he also, this is another phrase that is great to have in our back pocket, is come and sit with me. It's really different. Like which, I guess, which invitation is more compelling to you of, yeah, I, I go to Hill City Church. Uh, services are at 9 and 1045. You should, you should come sometime. Or, which that's fine, but, or you could say, yeah, I go to Hill City Church. The services are at 9 and 1045. I'm game to whichever one works for you. And I would love it if you would come and sit with me. I'll save you a seat. Right? That's different. That's your inviting people into something with you. The other thing is we want to be weird, but we don't want to make it weird. Okay. So what I mean by that is that um, we want to live surprising and attractive lives that are noticeably different than the culture that we are living in. Okay. So in um, our multiplying track, 
in discipleship, we go through a book called Surprise the World. And the whole book is focused on like, how do we live surprising lives so that we are people that are trusted, that people would want to share things with, that they would wanna be open to when we ask them questions about their lives. And so we wanna be different. We want it to be noticeable how present we are and the pace that we live at. And that's gonna be weird. You guys know weird when you see it though. So don't make it weird. And again, that's back to the like, it is not our job to give everyone a track and a book and like just study this and convince them of this. Um, But we wanna be relationally minded, relationally sensitive, relationally wise in the way that we approach people. And if we're doing that, then we are going to stay curious about people's lives. See, people are not projects. Repeat that after me. People are not projects, right? So this is not about crossing off a checklist kind of thing, Um, but we want to get to know people. We want to really see them, see who they are, what makes them tick, what makes them smile, what they've been walking through, what their family is like. And as we get to know people, um, that awareness and that courage is gonna grow as we want to invite them into something with us. Now, this is also what we're, we have to acknowledge the fear that some of us have in that people might be offended if we ask them to come to church. They're not gonna be offended, okay? It's only happened to me probably once. Um, but if you think about all the things that you've probably been invited to over the history of your life, even if you were invited to something that you were not interested in, that you did not wanna go to, that you said no to, Were you offended that someone thought of you and asked you to join them? No, like it's nice when people think of us and invite us to things and we have the freedom to say yes or to say no, but people aren't gonna be offended um, when you ask them. So just kind of take that off. You don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, And then here's the thing, a lot of people are gonna say yes. People have done a lot of research like Barna and all these things, like four out of five people If, when they were surveyed, when asked, would you say yes to an invitation from somebody you know to go to church with them? They said yes, that they would accept. It's crazy, right? Like we just, we assume, and we're kind of making decisions for people by not asking, right? And so if four out of five people would say yes, we should, we should take that as like, yes, let's ask more people and see who's gonna say yes, see who God is gonna bring in. And Christmas is an especially good time to do that. People are far more inclined even to say yes to an invitation to a Christmas Eve service to join you. So we're like lobbing it up for you guys right now, okay? Um, and th- another thing to keep in mind, the last thing is that... Um, God does not just show up when we have the courage to step into it, okay? So this is not, not to be a breath of fresh air because it is not all resting on our shoulders. God is inviting us to join him in what he's already doing, right? He has already been working in people's lives. Everybody's got a backstory. There might be people who have been praying for decades for the person that sits next to you at work and you have no idea. There might be somebody that has been 
just having tons of questions and not knowing a place where they could ask them or a safe place to like confide in people what was going on in their lives. You have no idea what God has been doing behind the scenes. And so when we are willing to step into relationship with people and really see them and invite them into something, um, we're just stepping into what God has already been doing. If you look at Philip and Nathaniel, Jesus already saw Nathaniel. He already knew who he was. But Philip got to be part of Nathaniel's story of coming to know Jesus. Um, so I'm gonna have you guys do something, okay? And this is something we actually did years ago at church and it was, it was really, really cool. And so I want you to think of five people. If you don't have five, that's okay. Think of however many that you have. I want you to think of five people that are in your life, that are like part of the rhythm of your life, um, where it'd be really cool if God would use you to be part of their faith story, like Philip was with Nathaniel. And where somebody, people that like, maybe you have been already, or if not, maybe you wanna start praying for them and praying that there would be opportunity and that God would show it to you, um, that you would pray for them, that they would say yes, and be willing to come join in what God is inviting them into. But we're to have a visual, we're gonna put up um, this Menti thing. So get out your phones and type in this code and it's gonna prompt you to type in the names of five people or however many you've got um, and just put first names. If you wanna put just initials, that's fine. It's just for the visual. Um, but we're gonna see like in this room full of people, how much influence with just naming a couple names each that we all have together. All right, so just type in that code and then we'll see the word, the names start popping up. Yeah? Okay, sorry, menti.com. Menti.com. So take out the meter. There we go. What's that? Oh, the code. Sorry. Uh, one six four five six five five nine. One six four five six five five nine. So I'll let that keep going for just a minute, but that's a lot of names. That's a lot of stories. That's a lot of opportunity. That's a lot of influence. And um, you know, when some of you are thinking about the names. Um, there can be some different feelings that come up. You might be really nervous that I'm gonna ask you to do something really wild. And um, you might be kind of initially making up some excuses of like, no, that person would never because um, you might be thinking like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna try harder. I'm gonna get them all. Um, some of you like want to actually win this and that's your motivation. But... Um, but this is not at all about obligation or guilt or, again, like checking a name off of a list. Look at that. 
So diff- yeah, Chris has got to be coming. They're, um, <laughs> they get bigger when there's more people from that name too. So a lot of Chris, Sarah's, and Josh's out there. Um, so this is not about an obligation. This is not about a project. The only way that a, that a culture of invitation is sustainable is that if it is coming from a place of love. And so that is where this is coming out of. These are people that we love, that someone here in this room loves. And love is the most beautiful when it gets specific, right? Like we can say, we love our city. We love our coworkers. We love our school. Um, But until love gets specific, it's not quite as powerful. It doesn't make quite as much of an impact. Like, it's like, do you love Chris or Josh or Sarah? And are you willing to move towards them and to have a pace that allows you to do that? Um, the other thing of how you can know if, um, if you're coming from a place of love is if you love someone, you have a hopeful imagination about their life and about what could be. Like if any of you have kids in the room or kids in your family or your teacher and have a classroom full of kids, like if you love them, you're like, oh my goodness, I wonder what God is gonna do in their lives. I wonder who, what they're gonna be like, what they're gonna be interested in. I wonder what's gonna make them smile. There's this like hopeful imagination that we have with the people that we love and that is a really beautiful thing. And so when you think of the names that you wrote, Um, I like to think of this question of like, what if they said yes? Like, what could God do? What does he want to do? What is in them that you will see come out and flourish? What are they walking through that all of a sudden they'll have like support and get to live in this really beautiful community of people? It also, when we have a culture of love and invitation, it helps us love each other better, right? Because I know that if Mark has people coming, I'm gonna be excited about that. And I'm gonna be like worried in the same way that I would if I had people coming. Like I want this experience here or in a discipleship group or in an event. I want it to be so welcoming and so loving and I'm gonna care about all of the details because he really cares about that person and he really loves that person. And so even if it's a week when you don't have somebody coming, you know somebody's got somebody coming. And we, um, on our guest services team, we have a phrase that we say um, every week called, every Sunday is someone's first Sunday. And every single Sunday since we have started Hill City, it has been someone's first Sunday. And that's only in the kids' side that we know about because those are the ones that you got to register and stuff. So it's been someone's first Sunday every single Sunday. Someone's person came. And it might not even be somebody that comes here. Somebody from far away might have been praying for someone for years and they saw something pop up on a Facebook thing and they decided to come. So like someone is coming that's important to somebody else. And um, I want to look really quick um, at the early church. So in Acts 2 46 it says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So 
typically when we talk about this verse, I love this verse, and we always want to like study the early church, and it's just so beautiful what God did there. But we talk about like the community that they built and the closeness and the sharing of things and the commitment that they had to their faith. But they were also radically evangelistic. Like God added to their number, but you know how he did that? They were inviting everyone and they were telling everyone of what they had experienced and saying, come in, come in, we want you here. Because to follow Jesus is to be like relentless in the way that we love each other and care for each other as a community and it's to be relentless in inviting people in to experience that fullness I love this quote um, from Tyler Staten. He says, the most common way that God draws people into his family is through this, the gathered body of believers functioning as a prophetic family. Even the richest community can't be experienced without invitation. See, the very best and most powerful and beautiful stories that are ever gonna come out of this community are on the other side of an invitation. So as we close here today, um, we're actually gonna watch a video of Deandra and Bree because we have stories like this um, in our community of someone inviting and then seeing what God did. Because like, what if they said yes? Nathaniel said yes, and then guess what? Jesus was like, you're gonna see some awesome stuff. And Nathaniel got to be part of the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. And so like we never know what is gonna happen on the other side of that invitation. So let's watch this story and then I'm gonna pray us pray for us. So I'd been living in Richmond uh, for quite some time. I was in a point of rediscovering my faith. Um, I'd spent a long period away from the church. Uh, I was also teaching dance at a local dance studio where I got to meet Deandra, um, was trying to, <laughs> to become friends with her. So when I first met Bree at the dance studio, I am and was, especially then, incredibly shy. I know most people don't think that I was too shy. I could tell that she was trying to get to know me, but I was like, okay, bye. We would always just like pass in the hallway with a brief, hey, hey. <laughs> I was started posting on social media around that time. Bree and I had a very brief conversation at the dance studio about um, what church I went to. I told her Hill City, and that was kind of it in passing. I kept posting each week. And um, then her and I started interacting on social media. And was really looking for a place to call home in Richmond, still on this path of rediscovering my faith. Um, and I had reached out to Deandra because I had seen that she had started to post a lot about Hill City and this church that she was attending. I'm like, okay, this seems like a really healthy, safe place to bring our family to. And I saw like Lamont and the band and a little bit of diversity there, which was something that was really important to me and my family. And then I heard Wags speak and just felt really convicted. And like the sense of like, this was the place that I was meant to be. I feel like there's so much change that has happened um, from being very far away, very critical of the church, very critical of Christianity, to now seeing there's just like so many different ways that I feel like I'm constantly thinking about um, how can I grow closer with Jesus and then how can that be seen to others and help others go closer to Jesus. 
Hearing your story has made me realize how impactful inviting someone to church can be. Um, not in like, in a more, and I want to do it in more, I want to do it in more of a meaningful way and just being able to share the impact that God has had on my life and hopefully see it blossom in somebody else's life in the same way that it has with yours. For me, knowing the power even behind a simple post, like sometimes I'm like, oh, we're, we're breaking up with social media. I'm like, no, but there's an opportunity for me to reach someone um, who may be curious. But also, I love that I've found a place where I feel safe to bring my family who's had and had a lot of questions, but like others and inviting others into that, like we're a safe space for you to figure things out. And the cool part about how God is working in our family now is um, this story of transformation um, throughout my husband's family. My husband didn't grow up in church. Um, his family kind of in a very far deconstruction uh, point. And because we are going to church, my sister-in-law has found a faith in Jesus. And then my in-laws, I constantly um, am extending the invitation for them to attend church, attend church. Um, and one uh, Sunday, they were like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go see what your church is all about. And I remember them turning to me and being like, wow, that I've never experienced um, such a loving and joyful environment around church. And since then, they've come back and been excited to come back. And I think now it's really cool to think about that no matter what may come, um, what may go, that like I know that my relationship with Jesus and who I am in Jesus is like a core to who I am and what I want to, how I want to live my life out. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. So my challenge to you guys this week is to put that list of names on a note in your phone and to start praying um, and see what God does. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we're actually gonna take communion together and then get out of here. God, thank you so much um, that you have invited us into what you're doing. Thank you that um, you love us so deeply and that you saw us and that you see the people uh, that you have placed around us. And God, I pray over the list of names that is represented here in this room because each one of those names is one of your kids who you love and see and you wanna bring home. And so God, I just ask that you would give all of us um, the eyes to see the opportunity that you are placing in front of us. I ask that um, you would give us courage when we need courage, that you would give us the words when we're at a loss for words, and that we would respond to that tug of your spirit. God, we thank you for what you do in our stories, for all of the possibility and the fullness and the life and the joy that you bring because it is good news that you love us. And so God, I pray that this would be a community that is marked by the way that we invite people in to experience that good news. I pray that there would be a sense of urgency and excitement and expectation with what you're gonna do in people's lives. And that that would be what we're talking about and encouraging each other in. God, I pray that during this season of our church, we would grow in so much depth 
and we would grow in the way that we are looking outward to share what we have. So Lord, we pray over every name and every opportunity that you are gonna bring this week, that our eyes would be wide open to those and that we would live at a pace that allows us to take a step towards people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, so we're gonna take communion together. We're actually gonna do that for the next three weeks. If you did not um, grab some communion on your way in and you would like some, just raise your hand and our guest services team is gonna walk around and give that to you. If you are a guest here, I hope that you know, especially from this message, that we are so excited that you are here. And um, if anyone is here that does not want to take communion, feel no pressure whatsoever. This is something that we do as a family, and it's really important to do together. When we do this together, it is a symbol of our unity and like a declaration that in this culture of isolation and separation and division, that we are in this together as we remember what Jesus did and the sacrifice that he made. Um, so I'm gonna read through a couple of verses and then we're gonna partake together. Um, for those of you who it matters for, it's grape juice and the bread is gluten-free. Um, so in Matthew 26, says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. So if you would go ahead and take, take the bread. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You can go ahead and drink the juice. I'm gonna pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this gift of communion that we can be together in the same room declaring our love for you and our commitment to following you and however imperfectly trying to wrap our lives around the way that you taught us to live. God, thank you that the example that you set of taking communion was around a table with your closest friends. And God, I pray that everyone in this room today would know that they are part of your family. They are not alone. They are not separate, but they are a part of a family who loves them deeply. Thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So guys, um, thank you so much for being here today. If you um, are new, uh, we wanna say a special thank you to you and we would love the opportunity to connect with you. And so as you head out that direction, um, there's a sign that says new here. We have a gift for you and would just love to chat or answer any questions you might have. And also if either you're new or maybe you've been around for a while but aren't feeling super connected and you've been thinking, I don't know, do I wanna join the team? Maybe, maybe not. Yes is the answer, you do. Because that is one of the best ways ever that 
you can get connected here. So there's also a sign out there that says, join the team. So stop by and see some of our folks there. Um, I wanna say a special, special, special thank you to all of you. As you, anyone who was here last week or saw on social media, the share offering closed and we, um, it was so unbelievable what, um, what happened with how much you guys just generously gave and, um, and what then God does with that together. So this was a really fun week, um, especially for Joe who got to write a lot of big checks and hand them out to our partners who it's gonna bless so, so much. Um, so thank you for that um, so much. Um, all right, guys, we love you. And next week is week two in our At The Table series. So we'll see you then. Have a great Sunday.